0: that describes Josh's personality and Luke's personality. What would it be?
1: Who's giving the word for which personality?
0: Both of you give the word. Josh, you give it for yourself, and Luke, you give it for. So Luke. I understand the dynamics. Yes.
1: yes. Luke is, uh, let's say, boisterous. <laughs> I like boisterous. <laughs> boisterous. I, yeah. I am. Uh, I would say, personality-wise, um, reserved, thoughtful. That's two. That's two words.
2: Uh, thoughtful is a good word. For I you. also uh, thoughtful. Yeah. Josh is, Josh is thoughtful, the intelligent one. I'm the enthusiastic,
1: passionate one.
0: Got it. Okay. Charge the front
1: lines. There yeah. we go. <laughs> and That voice that you're hearing, ladies and gentlemen, is our guest today. Her name is Adri. Adri Miller. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Adri. 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 Josh, you're supposed to be the thoughtful Luke one Luke told here. me Audrey. I thought Kevin told me Adri. He said Adri. Just Adry. think
0: of add and subtract. Add and subtract. Add. <laughs> We're in business.
1: Adri Miller Heckman. She is a globally recognized speaker, author, and consultant in the financial industry world, and is a leading expert on women in financial services. We actually met Adri at the fifth annual Invest in Women conference thrown on by uh, F.A. Mag. She was a keynote speaker there. She's a former advisor and national training officer with Smith Barney and has written the popular book, Keys to the Ladies' Room, which is designed for progressive advisors who want to lead their own business to new levels of success Adri, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for being here,
2: Adri. It's great to have you. It's it's a small world, guys, that I just figured out because you know, Adri and I were talking about our product, American Lifestyle Magazine, before we came on the podcast, and she had mentioned that she knew Rick. So Rick Hen was one of the gentlemen that helped us get into the financial industry, and I was sharing with Adri that w- really it was. Unbeknownst to us, we didn't realize that our magazine would be so applicable to helping financial advisors really connect to both halves of the relationship, both the husband and the wife. And it turns out that Rick was the one who kind of pointed us that way. But Rick had had a conversation, I guess, had knew Adri. So Adrius had a major influence, I guess is what I'm saying, on oh. our product and kind of how we've gotten <laughs> and into we the just finance. It and I literally <laughs> learned that today. I had no idea about that. So shame well, on me, I guess, sh- for that.
0: In that
2: case, I'm charging for this interview. <laughs> yep, yeah. <laughs> and she has the spunk and spirit that I love. <laughs> Adri, if you could kind of introduce yourself to the audience, really share. I'd like to ask people, you know, share your story, your 30,000 foot view of your life and just walk us through kind of what has led you on this journey to where you're at today and, you know, what you're all about.
0: Do you want me to start within, in, from in the industry or do you want me to go back?
2: You can go as far back as you want. What have, whatever has really influenced you to make the impact on you to want to, you know? I would say, live your life helping small businesses, advisors really market to women. What has influenced that journey so much and why is it so you know, relevant to you?
0: I was always um, an athlete. And what I learned early on is that I didn't like the individual sports. Um, when I was in a tournament, a tennis tournament, and the woman on the other side was losing, I'd start coaching her. <laughs> <laughs> but when I played volleyball, which ended up to be my sport, I had no problem helping these other five women on my team kill the other team. Mm. And so coaching and supporting women has always been a very, um, huge component in my life. Awesome. And years later after, you know, college and lots of different competitive experiences, I entered the financial industry and I was a registered sales assistant for probably about 10 years. Um, I worked for multiple mil- mil- million dollar producers. Uh, three out of the four all lost their licenses for illegal activities. Wow. Um, which I would always raise and bring to the attention of the manager, but it was never addressed. Hmm. Therefore, I quit before things got bad. Anyway, when I became a financial advisor, I had been in this industry so long that I really didn't have a network to pull from. Most of my friends were financial advisors, and they certainly didn't need me managing their assets. (laughs) And so when I went through the training, the Smith-Barney training, we spent three weeks in Hartford. I thought, what is it I really want to do? And I knew I wanted to help women like my mom. You know, they, they, they had saved well, they were affluent couples, but for one reason or another, the women became discouraged in their involvement with their financial lives and actually started to feel not capable of learning. And I learned early on watching my mom and dad that it wasn't that my mother wasn't capable. It was that she couldn't learn it my dad's way. Hmm. And so when I came back from training, I knew who I wanted to focus on and why. And that was critical to my success, critical. And I'll tell you why it was so critical. Most advisors start out on this business, and many of them are still on this path where they'll basically do business with anyone who can fog a mirror. Right. And they're out prospecting. (laughs) It's a broad net. Um you can build it that way but when you establish a real focus for your business and there is a purpose behind that focus you will grow a brand and a name for yourself that precedes you wherever you go. Hmm. And that's what I did. I focused on the women's market from day 1. I hosted two events a month, a month. one was a women's workshop. One was a a general money manager event where the women could bring their husbands. And that's how I built my business. And at the time when I became a financial advisor, Smith Barney had come to me and said, we'd like you to become a financial advisor. Your youngest child, I had three, was in school full time. Took me about 30 seconds, said yes. And within the first year of production, my husband, who was a bit challenging, um, moved 3,000 miles away. And so here I was building a business with three kids that were very emotional. I did not have 12-hour days, and I did not have evenings, and I did not have weekends. And so I look back and I say, what was it that allowed me to succeed? there's no question, it was my focus on women. Hmm. Now, um, and it, it's what I loved.
1: When you say, I mean, you take us back, you said that women were getting frustrated because they weren't learning the same way. Like, what do you mean? What What was the differences there that you were seeing that you would <laughs> do in your business and then I guess now coach coach your clients to do or to understand?
0: Well, <clears throat> in my mom and dad's case, for example, that was my story and... My dad was always really good about investing. He stayed on top of it. He always met with his financial advisor, and he always encouraged my mom. He wanted her involved because he knew at some point in her life he was going to pass away, and she needed to be there. So I give him tons of credit for that. But when she went, because she couldn't understand the concepts of yield and P.E. ratio, which she didn't need to know,
1: I don't understand. He the made her. <laughs>
0: right? He and made you're her the thoughtful
1: one. <laughs> and Luke called me intelligent.
0: <laughs> Even now, you know, it's the standard deviation and the alpha and the beta. They don't need to know that. Yeah. Right. But because she couldn't grasp those concepts, she left feeling stupid and incapable. Okay. And as a young woman, this impacted me. Now, years later. I was actually with Rick Han in the National Training Office. And I had given up my book of business. And my mother called me out of the blue. At this point, she's 70 years old. And she said, "Adri, I want another advisor. And I said, wow, okay. Now, what was significant about this is that She was a non-confrontational person, and I guarantee you this was going to create, it was going to rock the boat with my father. (laughs) And I said, why? And she says, because our advisor never talks to me. Mm. And what was really fascinating is this advisor was a woman. Wow. And even a female advisor was focused on my father. And so... I gave her the name of another gentleman at Merrill Lynch that I knew, and she's been happy ever since. Because he speaks her language, he gives her the attention she needs, he's patient, he's kind. I almost want to say he's loving, but that's not politically correct. But that's <laughs> how she feels.
1: You can say it here. <laughs> We're a loving show. Yeah. <laughs> But no, it's so true. I mean, we hear this all the time. I, I don't know the statistic. You probably know the statistic. But one that we've seen is it's it's something like uh, 2% of widows keep the same financial advisor. Is it that low? Is it something like 2% once the, the husband passes?
0: 2% will leave their advisor? Uh, I believe. Keep,
1: I be- keep their – like 98% will move to so another advisor.
0: It's interesting because there, there are the, – the statistics are shifting as we speak. Okay. Okay. Um, One statistic that's been out there for many years and I don't think has changed too much is that Boston Financial had a statistic that 70% of women that lose a spouse will leave their advisor.
1: 70%, okay.
0: 70%. That is big numbers. Now, you break your clientele base down. Now, that was before... All the Me Too movement, the Year of the Woman, where women are actually, for the first time, really speaking out Hmm. and supporting each other like nobody's business. So the risk for financial advisors is, one, you want to keep growing your business. Women are a massive, massive market. And they're only getting bigger. Right? Everything changed when they started focusing on the great boom ahead, the baby boomers. This was going to be a massive market, and you had to change the way you prospected. You had to change the way you did financial planning. You had to really become oriented on retirement planning because the boomers were going to play a significant role. Well, women are playing that role, Hmm. and the shift of wealth is happening. You can read those statistics anywhere, but – it's not just about attracting women; it's about retaining your clients. Mm-hmm. And that's the. It takes a lot to get a new client.
1: <laughs>
0: you don't want to lose them, and it's you something think, like
1: four times uh, less expensive to retain a client than it is to get a new one.
0: Absolutely, and you know what's interesting? There are so many men who come to me and say, "Adri, I, I notice I just have this natural way of." working with women. They, mm. they seem to really like me. I said, well, think about this. If you naturally have a way with women as a man, what if you were intentionally focused on women, what would happen? Because mm. they're not focusing on women. And think about this too. <clears throat> One of the reasons why my mother asked for another advisor is because she knew what I did. I coached and trained financial advisors to treat and communicate with women better. Had I not been in this role, she may have never said anything Mm. until my dad died, and then she would have split Mm. Yeah. So there are so many women advisors out there that are starting to focus more on women. They're hosting events that are engaging. They speak women's language. Men especially need to get on this bandwagon. They need to learn how to communicate better with women.
2: What are some of the ideas you would give? So if I'm a a male financial advisor right now, what are some of the ideas? And I think some of your ideas are going to cross industries in a way. So if you're a real estate agent listening to this or insurance agent, listen up, because I think the ideas, you know, it's about connecting with women and we have to do that in every industry. But what are some of the ideas you would give to male financial advisors?
0: You, the number one, whether you're an advisor, an estate planning attorney, insurance agent, a salesman, you have a business product or service, you need your story. Mm. And you need your story. It needs to be why women. Because everybody say, oh, I love working with women. Okay, great. Put up or shut up.
2: <laughs> me, I love that. Show
0: me, show me what you do differently. That supports women. And so the first thing we do in helping financial advisors is develop their story. It would be like me saying, okay, Luke, you want to focus on women. Why? What's your motivation? Hmm. What inspired you to really want to shift and make changes in your business to accommodate women? And everybody has a story at least the ones that come to me mm. because they do really care it's not just about the money for some it's about that was my story right my story about my mom i shared with every single person i met and it validated my intentions it built trust faster and i use that story every time i talk to a man let's just say i met josh at an event he says, so what do you do adri and I said, well, funny you should ask. I've built an engaging wealth practice for women. And he'd say, oh, a couple things are going on here. He's a little intrigued, partly because I kind of just pinched his ego a little bit. Wait a minute. I'm a very <laughs> successful wealthy man. <laughs> Everybody wants my business.
2: Yeah, jeez, come are you on, successful? Josh. You got one out of
0: the three. (laughs) Oh, did I mention debonair and handsome?
2: Oh, thank you. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes. And thoughtful, ladies and gentlemen. And very thoughtful. (laughs) Oh,
0: yes, and thoughtful. (laughs) So he's now intrigued with what I'm saying because I'm not focused on him. Men became my greatest referral sources. And when they became a referral source, they referred me every woman they knew that needed help. Hmm. It was amazing. Could your so,
2: could your story be I'm just curious because like much could your story be that you have not focused on women and you feel like this maybe is the wrong way to say it but you feel bad about not doing that and you want to make a difference there like I, I'm a, like, the, when I'm hearing you say that, I'm assuming that a lot of the people in our audience maybe they don't have a personal reason, but they just go, Yeah, I really haven't been doing that and I feel bad about it. I haven't been. So, how do you craft that message? I feel like that's where a lot if of the audience feel, is going to be.
0: If you feel badly, you have a story. Hmm. So, for example, some stories are childhood experience, some stories are about my own experience in my life. Right. Maybe I've gone through a divorce and I understood the finances and how overwhelming maybe it was watching a sister or a mother or an experience that a sister or a mother had, whether it was meeting with. Let me give you an example. Friend of mine, her father, it was a malpractice, pretty clear case. And my friend Deb got on the phone, set up all these appointments. She took care of the parents, everything. They go to the attorneys, they sit there, she and her brother, and the attorneys talk to the brother the whole time. The whole time. That would be a story. She'd say, and that's when I realized, no more. Right? There are some advisors who have been in the business 35 years. Well, maybe his story is, you know, for 35 years, I have watched these women come in and just placate their husbands. What happens eventually is they come to me as a widow and they're clueless. They don't know where to start. They're overwhelmed and they're fearful. And I realized I'm not doing these women a service when I don't help get them involved, when I don't take the time to educate them. And so that's my true purpose with my business, yeah, it's awesome. It's to create a new experience for women.
1: I think it's a great point. If if you have those feelings, if if you're sitting there saying to yourself, "Man, I, I I want to do this," then it's really just a matter of exploring where that's coming from. It doesn't mean that you don't have it. Like it doesn't mean that that's not a reason enough. It's just a matter of digging deeper. And I'm assuming that's something that you're doing with your with your practices. Is that yes. how you ultimately transitioned into um, into this femx advisor? Model or the yes. program that you do, talk a little bit about what that is and kind of uh, how you're. So, helping.
0: the Femex Advisor Program, the model that I created, which is also in the Keys to the Ladies Room book, is really a, a new age model of growing a business. <laughs> it 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 works beautifully for women. It works really well for female advisors. For men that are tired of the old-school network and old-boy traditional model, Mm -hmm. it's an amazing process, and men clients love it too. So I could go to the industry and say, I have a whole new authentic way of growing your business, and they wouldn't listen. Right. But I can go to the industry and say, this is a more feminine approach that incorporates the old-school skill sets with a new age way of thinking that is more gender balanced and more progressive in nature, and it works. Mm -hmm. So the model is the same. It's a very authentic step-by-step, and it takes a lot of introspection. It's almost difficult. It's close to impossible to do it yourself, although that you can. And it's really uncovering what's my why, What's my purpose? Why do I really care about these people? And I could have a story about men. You know, I could talk about my dad was a great investor and what he was able to do for his children and his family. And that's why I want other men to feel that same sense of satisfaction. Hmm. We all have stories, but we're so caught up in the alpha, beta, and standard deviation that we lose <laughs> sight of why we do
2: what we do. Oh, I agree. I think one of the most common mistakes we see from helping our financial advisor clients that we've worked with over the years is they tend to uh, approach everything from a very analytical mindset and they fail to connect to the emotional connection that you have to have as human beings. Um, and, and a lot of times, I mean, it's just the truth. People, people make decisions on emotions, not logic. And they'll stay with you based upon you connecting with them on the relationship level, not necessarily that you had all the right technical stuff. And Because the truth is when the market goes, you can't really control that as a financial no. advisor. But you can control the friendship. You can control the connection you have, the relationship you have.
0: If you're a financial advisor and are only connecting with men, you're neglecting half of your business right out of the gate. Women make up half of the workforce, and by 2030, they're expected to control half of the nation's wealth. But if you find yourself struggling to gain or keep female clients, there's hope. Go to ReminderMedia.com retention and download our free guide to retaining female and next-generation clients. That's ReminderMedia.com retention. But don't wait. Take action on this today.
2: So if I have a story, right, so I craft my story, then how do I translate that into some tactical, whether it's marketing approaches? You, you mentioned events a couple of times, so I'm curious to pick your brain a little bit on what those events really are. Like if I'm a you know, financial advisor today and thinking of next month or two months from now, hey, you know, what are some of the tactical marketing approaches or, or touch points I can do? In my business. Okay,
0: so think of it as we have 12 keys to success to creating a female-friendly practice. You cannot any longer get by with a warm shame, uh, handshake and eye contact. Just, this is not enough. And to just apply or try and implement a tactic, it could blow up in your face because, You'll say you're focused on women. You'll do this, and women will see right through you. So think of it as 12 keys, 12 months to success. The first quarter is all about uncovering your message, your story, who you really care about, what are the issues that concern them. So, for example, it goes from a tribal market. A tribal market is not women. Women are a demographic group. Hmm. A, women are not a target market. They are a demographic group. Divorced women are a target yeah. market. Career women are a target market, right? But we focus on tribal markets. And tribal markets might be, um, most of my clients are strong, progressive advisors who want to be on the cutting edge and want their practice to really make an impact on the lives of women. They want to be more effective at working with women, but they're not quite sure where to start and what to do next. They don't want women to think they're fake, right? So that would be my tribal market, progressive advisors. It could be a brand new advisor. It could be a senior advisor. It could be a successful advisor. It could be a failing advisor. It doesn't matter.
1: So I I know you, I I don't want to cut you off, but I know you, you gave examples can you explain, maybe give definitions of tribal versus demographic or target? Like, what makes something a tribal market? It sounds like it's more based on motivation and, and kind of wants and desires of the people versus where they live or where they eat, things like
0: absolutely. that. Absolutely, absolutely. So the industry is based on target marketing. Okay, zip code, uh, level of affluence, high net worth. Um, age, age groups, right? But we connect with people that we like. Mm -hmm. So what makes us like? So a couple of the exercises that I do, I'll often have an advisor make a list of their, of the characteristics of their worst favorite client, their Um, least favorite client, right? Yeah annoying detail oriented deconscious right then i'll say on the other side of that paper write the words the opposite right big picture thinker values you know professionalism um, understands market volatility whatever mm-hmm. uh, is very progressive likes structure likes planning likes step by step likes to be held accountable and so they'll come up with these, and they'll say, "Hmm, sounds kind of like you." <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yes. I, I
1: like me. <laughs> yes. Sometimes.
0: And so, so oftentimes our tribal market, like I don't work with wimps. I just can't work with wimp.
2: Hashtag that. Right? Can't, work- can't work with wimps. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, a sign won't work with whips, <laughs> yeah. you know, or whiners or people that give excuses. Now, some coaches are really nurturing and can do that. Mm. Not my thing. So my tribal market and everything I market is around this. Now, here's why this is so important. When you can get down to the personality of the person that you absolutely love to work with. Your message is going to be killer mm. because you're diving into how this person thinks, works, and does. And so everything you put out is more focused, more intense, more packageable, more marketable. And you love it because it's you. Now yeah, right. <laughs> here's the the best part. You will not just attract. Your tribal market, your message will be so uniquely different, authentic, and compelling. Everybody's going to want to listen. And if they listen, they remember. And if they remember, then they say, oh, do you only work with women? No, tell me about you. Mm. That's powerful. Do you only work with business owners? No, tell me your situation. Mm. They will listen and absorb, and your message sticks. So the first quarter, the first three months is your message. You've got to uncover your tribal market. You're storing your compelling message. The next three months is really about identifying how you're going to launch this because we want all our existing clients to know how great this is. And it doesn't matter who you are as an advisor. You can launch it and say, hey, I've opened up a whole new practice focused on women, or, hey, folks, we've decided this is the year of the woman. Here's our website, and see this tab? It's all about women. So, for example, there's a team in San Diego, and after they left Smith Barney, I coached them. I said, look, you're out there. You're independent. You've got $90 under management. But you're competing with all these other teams. What's going to make you different? And they had a partner, Kathleen, who was just lovely. Well, let me tell you something. They started hosting their Savvy Women Invest on Purpose workshop in their branch. They were a little resistant, but we used the model to craft out their message and story for their main website, same model. Today, all their business, most all of their big business is coming from women because they have branded themselves. They have built it out. Wow. So, but when you go on their website, they've got this beautiful website that speaks to anybody, and then there's a tab, and it says Savvy Up for Savvy Women, and you go on that tab, and it says, it's pink. It's all women. (laughs) So, there are many different ways that we're going to look at rolling out your message, whether it's your website, whether it's hosting events, right? Whether it's, and we want to look at your strengths as well and determine what is the best strategy. Now the reality is women love a community. Hmm. We thrive in a community setting. And so hmm. events tend to be a really great source but it's not like events of the past right in in the industry they used to do come to breakfast at Polly's pies and hear the latest and greatest mutual fund and you'd have 35 40 people in the room you'd have you know 20 buying units you get 10 leads five appointments three three new clients right it's not like that with women with women you want 10, 15 at the most. You want them doing all the talking. It's not about you and doing a dog and pony show and pontificating. It's about facilitating, getting them to think, challenging them to do and think and explore options. Everything about it is different. Think about this. Think of a, a, a Rubik's Cube. That's the male brain.
1: Here we go. We got, rubich, we got one if you're I'll watching the video.
0: It. There you go. And if you notice, all the boxes, the colors, they don't touch. Mm-hmm. They can all be moved independently. And so when a man is in the sports box, he's in the sports box. He's not touching <laughs> the other boxes. <laughs> when he's in the work box, he's in the work box. Now – you ask a room full of women how many of you would love to have that kind of focus? <laughs> you would all raise their hand. <laughs> now you take a rave machine. Do you know what a little rave thing is? It's a little battery-powered globe that you're holding your hand. Oh, yeah. And all oh. the lights start going. <laughs> that's you the, that's the
1: women's ma- mind.
0: <laughs> that's... Okay, our brains do not stop. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. So the moment we walk in your office we are picking up information we're looking at the decor we're looking at how you treat somebody when you talk to them we're looking at your tie we're looking at all your trophies in your office or family photos we are noticing we cannot help it Mm. our brains are picking up data sending it to our brain and that's how we make decisions so that's why i say Be careful, tread lightly. If you say you focus on women, then you need to show in multiple ways how you focus on women.
2: Hmm. Because hypocrisy, I'm sure, is the death of people when they try to market. And people can feel the the bullshit, basically.
0: They can feel, (laughs) yes. Yes, I'm glad you said that. (laughs) I couldn't help myself. Um, They can read right through it. Yep. There was a uh, conference I held in California, and it was a group of advisors. And we talked about this, and there were quite a few women advisors in the room. And finally, I said, you know, it's not about selling. It's not about prospecting, selling, and closing anymore. It's about building relationships, inspiring people, and then motivating them to take action.
2: That's a golden nugget. That's awesome.
0: And the man said, well, I know, but I still think of it as selling. And before I could say a word, the women in the room said, if you're thinking about it as selling, they will know it. They will smell it. Mm. And you will get nowhere.
1: Right. No one wants to be sold to. No, say that again. No.
2: You said relationships, inspiration, and taking Building action.
0: relationships, inspiring people, and motivating them to take action.
2: Yeah, it's so good. That's so good. I mean, That's a quote were- right there. Someone quote that. That's a great quote. <laughs> That's awesome. That is truly what it is. Like, I mean... It's just- Yes. It's, I don't know what has, like, sales is a dirty word now, which I don't agree with, but, you know, I get it. Perception's reality. There's been too many salespeople that have come into the industry and, and taken advantage of people, manipulated people. And so, you know, you suffer the consequences of the bed we've laid as an industry. But I would agree with you 100%. I have found in every industry, we've had the privilege to work with over 140 different industries. And there is a massive shift. And it's that shift of people want to first have a relationship with you and they want to see, I call it like passion. You're calling inspiration. I tell my sales guys all the time, if you're perceived as aggressive, you're just terrible. You're just a terrible salesperson. You need to be perceived as passionate, inspiring people. People should want, you're like a mini Tony Robbins, for lack of a better word. Like you're you're supposed to be inspiring people and when they get inspired, then they take action. They take action because it. they want to be a part of the movement. And I love how you're saying tribe because I think of a tribe as a movement. Like you're creating, I think it was Seth Godin that wrote a book called the tribe or whatever. Yes. Tribes. Yeah, yeah. Tribes. And it's all about the movement. It's creating a movement. And he wrote
0: the why. He also wrote the why. Yep.
2: Yes. So that's awesome. Exactly right. No, I love so, that.
0: So the relationship building, inspiring and motivating is basically the foundation to the FEMEX model. Okay. Right? And, again, it is what works naturally for women and men want it to. And that's the future of this industry. If you're not shifting and growing and changing, you're not going to make it. And when you create a FEMEX advisor practice that really engages women, think about this. Look, if you're a business, when a when a woman walks through the door, what does she see? Is it black leather chairs and boardroom tables? Is it um, or is it cottage white with zebra striped upholstery? Because men don't really care about. The decor.
1: (laughs) You read my mind.
0: (laughs) Women, the minute they walk in your door, you're better to to shift the decor more towards women. The feminine, yeah. You got it. And it was interesting. Years ago, I had a conference here in Connecticut that Pam Pickens came to. And Pam's dad is T-Boom Pickens. So she had... Huge leads, right? She got permission from Smith Barney at the time to redecorate her office. Little did they know. While she was here, they redecorated. It was gorgeous. And, you know, most of those offices, dark cherry wood, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, tapestry, upholstery. And (laughs) she went back. To her office, and it was like a white marble desk with a beautiful chalkboard, and it was just lovely. When she got back to the office, not one advisor said anything, and all the women (laughs) would go by, poke their head in, and say, I love your office. There you go. Now, what the hell is that? (laughs) I said, Pam, you just parade all your high-net-worth women clients in there and see what they say, because they're the only ones that matter.
1: Well, it's I mean, it's what we've always done with our own with our own magazine. We've always leaned on the side, whether it's in the design or the content, closer to the feminine knowing that it's going to houses uh, with both genders, but understanding that that's really the people that are going to connect with a piece like that will more than likely be the female in the relationship. We always throw, we always throw one like guy article in there. <laughs> we, we've got the token guy article. But it's interesting, you were actually giving us some feedback, and I'd love to hear this because I think it's valuable to the audience as well. You're giving us some feedback before the podcast, even in terms of beyond just the aesthetic and the soft look of it, but actual the content yeah. in terms of providing empowerment. And and when you say like content that will would empower women, what are some examples of that? that even our audience could use in their own marketing if they have like a newsletter, if they're sending out print material or email material to their client base. Like what are some examples that you've seen that really resonate there with with the female audience?
0: Well, what does empower mean? It means to give somebody power. And to empower someone, not only do they have to be encouraged and inspired, but they also have to learn and become educated. Women actually want to be challenged but there's a big difference between challenging women to think and demeaning them Mm. making them feel small so I think the best way I can think of to describe empowering is one of the programs that we have is a membership it's a drip marketing membership and it's designed to provide advisors With engaging email content that inspires women that they can use in an email and that they can use in social media. And they're very short. They're very sweet. They're about you can do this. Or it's like if you, if you, um, if your husband passed away today, And you were left to manage the financial affairs. What would be your three biggest concerns?
1: Hmm.
0: And it's about asking them questions that get them to think, Mm -hmm. right? Um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank, but that's kind of what we do or tying in a quote or, um, something like, something like that. Barbara Stanney, fabulous woman. Her dad was the R and H and R block. She has been teaching and empowering women to become more engaged in their financial affairs and she is not a financial advisor. That's her mission because she was raised in affluence but nobody ever engaged her. And her dad would say, oh, don't worry your pretty little head. You'll be taken care of. Well, then she marries a guy who invests all the money improperly and then leaves the country and she's done. Ooh. And she goes to her dad and said, dad, can you help me? He said, Nope, figure this out. Wow. So finding empowering Barbara Stanley's book, overcoming under earning uh, Prince charming. Isn't coming. There's so much material in there. How a woman overcame divorce with five steps. Hmm. Things of that sort. Hmm. Right? That gives them the courage and the inspiration to to face this uncomfortable arena and expect more.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. It's that. such a powerful focus um to to really kind of be looking at how do I give the education, but then also the inspiration to actually carry out on the things that have been learned. So what's what's next for your business? What for 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 your uh, coaching business, like where do you see it going from here? Is it is it you're doing a lot of speaking? Obviously, you're writing the books. Is there is there anything that's next?
0: You know, the the original mission is my personal mission is to change the industry,
1: mm-hmm.
0: to change it from a very testosterone-driven environment to one that is more gender balanced. The only way that's going to happen is if firms get behind this. Hmm. So interesting concept, when I was a financial advisor in Newport Beach and I focused on women and I went to my manager who was very supportive and said, Bob, we need a pink office. (laughs) He says, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, we've got these private wings for these big portfolio managers. They were $3 million you know, portfolio managers. We need a separate wing that is designed specifically for women. And I talked about how we would have it, and we'd have educational, and the people that are in that group, they get a special title. He said, the only way we could get that to fly is if we can show revenue. And the only way we can generate revenue is to recruit. I said, okay. He said, if we could prove that we could recruit, we could do it. So I went back to my office, and I called all these different firms. I said, hi, I'm a woman. Do you have a financial advisor that focuses on women? They said, yeah. And they would send me to, and I said, look, my name's Adri. I'm a financial advisor at Smith Barney. We're looking to create a pink office. Here's what we wanted to do. Would you be interested in speaking to the manager? 100% said yes. <laughs> now, 100%. So if we could get firms to embrace the Femex model, So that there's two ways of training, integrating the old school skills that still work, but giving people an option, that's when we're going to make an impact. But until the firms get behind it, and here's the thing, a firm that says we support this Femex more female based model of growing your business, you think they're going to be able to recruit more women? Yeah. I think
2: so. Yeah, and, and the major wirehouses need a new model, so
0: <laughs> they need a new model. And I'm in talks with some of the bigger ones, but it's like you've only got one woman up there that has the clout. They get it. Right. But to get it's like taking a huge oil tanker and trying to compete with these speed boats.
2: Oh yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. That would be so crazy. So i got to ask you, you know, one of the questions we always ask uh, to the people we interview is, you know, everybody's looking for the, you know, magic formula to success. And we all know it's not out there, right? There's not a magic formula. But when we come across successful people like yourself who've spent a life, really, you've been in the trenches and you've, you know, you've really grinded your way to becoming very successful. As you look back on your life, are there routines or principles, things that you've implemented day in and day out, that has driven success that you would share?
0: If I don't love what I'm doing, it's not going to work. Hmm. It has to be, It. I can't function that way. And so if you can truly uncover, you know, I say to financial advisors, oh, why do you want to be a financial? Well, I want to help people. Oh. God, if I hear that one more time,
2: I think I'll die. You sound like our recruiter in sales, and we get that all the time. It's like, geez, come on, everybody wants to help people. Geez,
0: yeah, can we get a little bit deeper? Can we just get past the epidermis at least? Right? And and it's like, well, who? Well, I want to help. Who do you want to help? Why? Why Why do you care? Yep, why do you? And you almost have to get them angry. And when they can tap into that...
2: The passion, yeah. And
0: not let all this BS protocol affect the way they think, they'd be on fire. And so you say you built a career, you've done this, you've grinded it out. I don't think I've ever felt like I grinded it out. The jobs that I quit, it felt like grinding it out. When I was the director of national sales for women and company, a division of Citigroup, and I was in corporate and I built a team of reps, the style of management was totally against my nature. Hmm. And I quit and I started my own coaching practice. Awesome. So know who you are and what you want to do and 110% commitment, go for it. I love that. When I became a coach, I gave up. All my licenses, commodities, securities, principles, license, everything, done. Because I'm 110% in.
1: That is a freaking golden nugget. That's, That's beautiful. <laughs> That's it. Adri, thank you so much for being here, man. So many, as Luke uh, would say, golden Yeah, golden nuggets. nuggets. So many golden nuggets. On that podcast. So good.
2: I love it when I speak very, very little. Because it means it's a great podcast. <laughs> no, just in, just in general, it's great when you <laughs> yeah. speak. Less. Well, I'm going to
1: become the thoughtful one now. <laughs> Adri, before we close, let people know how they can find out about your coaching program. And, of course, uh, they can also get your book, I believe, on Amazon, Keys to the Ladies' Room.
0: Yeah, Keys to the Ladies' Room is on Amazon. And um, I would suggest that they go to femxadvisor.com forward slash listener. Awesome. And that will show them... Um, at least the membership program. Nice. And then if they're interested in coaching, they can go from there.
1: Well, thank you again so much for being here, Adri. And thank you all for listening. If you liked what you heard today here on Stay Paid, do us a favor, go on iTunes, drop us a five-star rating. Also, share this podcast with somebody else today. I'm just going to keep saying do it. Really helps us get the message out. (laughs) It does. Do it. Take action. (laughs) Take action on that. You can find this video or this podcast, excuse me, in video. video form. On our website, staypaidpodcast.com. You can also connect with Luke or I on Instagram at staypaidpodcast. Make sure you're following that. For new episode alerts, for this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Steich. And I'm Luke Akery. I
2: love the episodes on the podcast where I don't talk. I just love it. So It was an amazing episode. So many good things. But I think the action item is pretty straightforward, pretty easy to take out of this, which is you have to know your story. Meaning, if you don't know what your why is, maybe it's what you call it, I call it what your movement is, something that you can get evangelical about, you need to stop right now. That needs to be the thing you do. If you listen to this podcast, what you're going to see, if you listen back to this, is you're going to see a consistent theme that Adri comes back to, which is you can't do anything. You can't do your marketing. You can't do your sales. You can't even service your clients properly until you know the reason why you're doing it. And from that passion will come everything. And I couldn't agree more with her tips for success, which was understanding what your why is, only doing a job that you're passionate about, and from there being 110% committed. So what I need you guys to do is stop what you're doing, write down on paper right now, why are you doing what you're doing? What is your movement? And if it doesn't come to the tip of your tongue right now, if it's not something that just flows from you, you need to start diving into it. It was like why. one
1: sentence from Adri. Like yeah, she just, she she just had knew it. it. But that tapped tapped into come, Tap into the
2: that anger. Tap into that anger if you don't know. I love that. Tap into that anger Tap if that you don't know anger. where it's going to come from. Remember, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer is top producers take action. So if you feel this is corny right now, what would she say? Shut up. Put up. Shut yeah, up. something <laughs> like that. You know, just... Stop what you're doing, do it anyways, because the top producers in every industry, the people that I know that run multi-million dollar companies, this is the core of what they do. They first tap into why they're doing something, why they're passionate about it. So take action on that today.